Welcome to the February 16th edition of the PFF Forecast. We are remote. Eric's in a different time zone, so I don't know if he'll manage to survive here, but we'll see how it goes. Um, we are going to do a little uh, listener mailbag. Got some good topics from you guys, um, some funny ones, um, some not so funny ones, some serious ones. Um, and uh, we'll work our way through those and see how those go. Some calls out for, for Quibi. So you never know. Let's rock. All right. Um, where do you want to start here? There's a lot of we could take this in the um, in the Quibi direction or we could talk like real football at first. Where is your head at? Yeah. First off, I want to thank everybody, all of our listeners for, uh, you know, we got a, a lot of responses yesterday when, when we made this tweet. Um, I was thinking, I was like, God, this, you know, I, I so you know, we're on our fifth year of doing the show, George. How See, crazy I don't care. I, I age is just a number. Uh, and, uh, I just want to thank everybody without the listeners. Uh, this is just two friends talking. See, that's, that's really nice of you to say, do you think we'd still just do two friends talking though? Even without like, maybe the I, content would be better actually. Yeah. So like one of the play? so obviously our, our friend, Sam Hoppin, who, uh, I believe is four for four now. Uh, very sharp guy, very, you know, very uh, good person to talk to on Twitter. He obviously said, bring back the Quibi shows or we riot. That was a frequent. Uh, I hear <laughs> you. Um, and, you know, I think that obviously we should play games like that. I, I, I wish that, you know, uh, somebody would try to innovate in the space and mm. be spectacularly bad again so that we could uh, make fun of them. Okay, uh, let me the same way that we did Quibi, but uh, but but we should bring back Quibi until somebody answers the call there. You know, the good news there is that there's actually so many new streaming services, so um, there should be some good content out there. Um, speaking so, of, I did find I did find this, and this has like recently been a craze. This Twitter account has 59.6 thousand followers, mm -hmm. and it is pre it has duped like a number of people recently. And I didn't really realize this. Have you seen ball sack sports? I, I haven't, but um, I don't know. I need to know the, the like group of, like if you get duped by ball sack sports, you should have like a, a stamp on your Twitter account. Yes. You know, it's like, it's like the opposite of a, um, of a check mark. It's like a, I don't know, like a, a ball sack. You just get a ball sack next like, to your Twitter. I do Twitter feel handle. like we should do a reading from ball sack sports every week. Like one of their tweets that we found uh, especially good, like, um, and, and maybe that's maybe that's like a an add on in maybe the Quibi vein. I I like it. Um, is this a real tweet or a ball sack sports tweet? Yes. Um, that would be that would be great. I like the so everyone should go check it out. Um, but the 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 first pin tweet is Daryl Morey says ball sack sports is the only reliable reporter he knows about um, anyone that was duped by that. I mean, kudos to you. You are really, you're really doing the best. We should, um, we should, we should put in like, which what it should be is 
like real takes that people earnestly said that were so bad mm. that <laughs> ball sack that they sports. could be ball sack sports. <laughs> I like right. that. I like that real real take or something from ball sack sports. Okay, we're gonna make a list here of all of the um, all the things we need to bring back. So we've got Quibi, we've got the ball sack sports. Um, I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna tell you because um, we'll start it off with an old old segment, which is stories from the Cincy Y. Except I haven't been to the Cincy Y. We haven't been to the Cincy Y in a while. However, got a basketball game coming up. And um, I thought back to the Cincy Y because I realized, Eric, I don't have any basketball shoes. Dude, the basketball thank shoes, you. I so, have to buy some. So the basketball shoes that I had that we used to play one-on-one against, I just like left in the office. And obviously the pandemic, like I have no idea where those have gone. And they didn't have great grip. And like, I'm sure that the floor is slippery as hell. So I have been trying to buy basketball shoes. I did not realize how hard it is to buy basketball shoes. These are harder to find than like NFTs. Like I wanted to buy, so the a couple of the highest ranked ones, like Trey Young has some decent looking shoes that have been ranked highly by people that want them. Tried to buy those, can't find them. Uh, Lamelo Ball has ones that are highly ranked. Tried to buy those, can't find them. Steph Curry has some that people love. Can't find those. I don't know where the hell these shoes are, but I can't fucking buy basketball shoes and i don't know what i'm gonna wear in this basketball game because i refuse to buy like i might buy air monarchs at this point i might be the guy going out and like you know granddad lawn mowing shoes at this point dude that's the thing and like i got basketball this is how like funny this is i got basketball shoes for christmas last year and honest to god other than coaching my my daughter's second grade team like they've gotten like no real basketball use and my my daughters play in this like slippery gym and i was thinking to myself monday when when i coached i was like i can't play in these i'm gonna die and and so and for me it's even harder because i wear a size 14 so i'm like i i might have i'm gonna go to the mall of america i think maybe i could find one in the mall of america um uh this week uh for for uh for basketball shoes but yeah i, w- I was thinking the exact same thing as you and i'm thinking like you know, and it's just also the worry, like I'm not in great, like basketball shape. And mm. we, I think only have like five or six guys. So like, oh, and we have totally a double header all of you guys off by like using the sub too much. But, uh, but yeah, that's, I, I'm, so, I'm a little nervous, but like, but it's good nervousness. Cause I like, I can't wait to play basketball again. I loved it so much. And then obviously we couldn't uh, during the pandemic. So. Shockingly, none of none of the responses to your tweet was "We want video content of Eric trying to play basketball." I'm shocked, personally surprised. Um, I am the type of basketball player who, like, the fitness component will not be an issue for me, but the basketball shot itself will be more than an issue. Like, I will go out there and I will shoot for the first time, and it will not be pretty. The dribble, I'm I'm predicting that I have double digit turnovers in each of these games. There's just no way, even if I try not to turn the ball over, like that's just gonna happen. Um, so that'll be fun, but here's my story. So this is gonna come off shockingly sounding kind of dickish, but I Dookie. it has to be said, it has to be said, okay? So there is, I don't understand the mentality that goes through someone's, or what goes through someone's head where they go, you know what I need to do? I'm gonna go into the gym. So this is my apartment gym. I'm gonna go into the gym and I'm gonna walk 
on the treadmill for 15 minutes. And then I'm going to leave. I don't understand that. What are you doing? Two people yesterday. I'm in the gym. I have two people in the gym on a treadmill. You're using a treadmill. Walking. Not power walking. Not walking up a hill. Just walking. One's on the phone. The other one, I don't know what this guy was doing. He had sweats on. He had like Joe Burrow sweatshirt on. Just went in there for a stroll. I don't get it. I don't get Uh it. It pisses me off. It takes up space. Um, It's a waste of your time. I don't know why it frustrates me so much. It actually just made me work harder because I was like, I never want to be one of these people. Um, And I have a more, so I have another take that I have from the gym, but I have to get that checked with um, PR, whether I can actually say it or not. So we'll see what, what PR thinks. And maybe that'll be my story for next week. But people who go into the gym and walk on treadmill, don't do it. Please. Do you, so, okay. I guess my question is if somebody is not in good enough shape to jog or run and maybe not enough to lift mm-hmm. weights mm-hmm. and it's cold outside mm-hmm. and maybe they don't want to slip on the ice Agreed. or something. Yeah. Certainly if you were in a wheelchair, I would not advise that you walk. Uh, on the treadmill that would be i, I wouldn't do that if you, but but if i mean you, but you, you know were. what i'm saying like so there's like the so transparency these people did not have that issue okay that was okay, not so they were just they were just, they i'm i'm coming in maybe they're looking for their uh, maybe they're looking for a lover you know maybe they're just going to the gym mm, just flaunting yeah. out people yeah that that could be that could be the case and that makes me even more sick to my stomach but anyways yeah. let's let's talk some football here where do you want to um where do you want to start? There were some good, um, some good callouts. So I think I think some of them were really good. Actually, Aiden, who uh, Stagato, who has met, messaged us before and has has been a, a frequent listener, and we appreciate him. Uh, you know, both you both have great processes for testing hypothesis, and to a certain degree, that seems wasted on football. Mm. I would enjoy hearing more non-football data-backed theories. Um, you know, and. and you know, basically, I, I kind of agree with this. I think like during the off season, and you and I have spun around this a little bit, and there's been some comments that played towards this. I think um, just like a maybe a segment or two every once in a while where we talk about other sports, um, mm-hmm. so like golf, basketball. Um, I know that you know some people like when we talk about the real world. Some people don't like when we talk about the real world. But I also think just modeling out like you and I sort of going through the probabilities of something um, that people like that and and people sometimes need a break from football. So, like, I think that that's a, a good call out where we just sort of you and, and, and we'll get to a few more of, uh, of comments where I think this becomes more apparent. But like where we just sort of walk the user through how somebody with a data science or math background would think about something. I think that'd be cool. I was thinking about this as well with just other sports in general. Um, you know, both of us obviously love betting and um, I think we talk about it a decent amount, but actually kind of diving into it in a rigorous way is something that I find to be missing in the sports landscape in general, right? Like it's kind of hard. I have not found a place that talks about betting on just whatever I want to bet on at the moment in an intelligent way. You can obviously find shows that are like, yeah, like, you know, here's what's on the board today. And like, here's some bullshit to help you decide how to lose your money. But 
um, doing that would be uh, doing something that's actually worth um, us betting, right? Because that would be the point of doing it would be fun. And then extending that kind of conversation to things outside of of sports, um, especially as those things become more bettable. And I, so this brings me to a comment that I thought I wanted to talk about because I actually have never heard your story on this. And I, I the reason and, and I just had dinner this past weekend with um, a, goal, a good friend of mine, an old friend of mine I went to college with, which was the genesis of my betting history and my betting story. So um, Kelsey Dallas asked us to t- tell your personal betting histories um, and ask guests to tell theirs. Like, why did you get into betting? Best, worst bet you ever made, whole deal. So I want to know what your betting story is. Yeah, Kelsey, by the way, very uh, loyal listener, very fun to chat with. Uh, um, I can't, she tweeted something out when we, we talked about. Uh, uh, yeah, I said, I said that we had one female listener and yeah. I was obviously like kind of joking, but, um, but yeah, she was quick to, she was quick to set me in my place and I yeah, apologize. She, she laughed. She, 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 when we were with Drew on Wednesday, Tuesday last week, it really, cause she's a religion reporter. And when, when we said, Hey, it's okay to pray about a decision, but it's not okay to use that as a cover up for your bad decision you were already going to make in the first place. I think that really, that was something where the, the world's crossed there. Um, yeah, this is, so mine is interesting because I, I don't even know, like I was such a big nerd growing up. I would read all these fantasy football uh, books, right. And I would, I was just so obsessed with football. But then the first time I ever played fantasy football for anything was like 2007. So I was a junior or senior in college. And then the only time I, the, the first time I played fantasy football for high stakes was in 2010. Um, the, the story goes is like, I was, I, I won a high stakes league and was able to like buy my wife, like a fourth of my wife's uh, engagement ring back then when I was a poor grad student. Um, but I didn't start really thinking about betting or the spreads or anything. I was in my second year at PFF. Like I was writing about the league. I was still a professor at UWL and, um, and I, I wanted to, and I think it was Nathan, you know, when Nathan ran uh, uh, analytics for PFF, he was just like, Hey, does anybody know how to build like a game predictor? And so like, I, I went through and, found all the data he gave me and tried to, these were like the first, you know, things of green line. And I was like, um, and I, I sort of was able to come up with what the point spread was or should have been. And then I went to chase Howell, who was the uh, editor at the time, very, you know, would print basically anything I asked him to. And so then I started printing a spread picks article. And I want to say like through the first 10 weeks of the 2016 season, I was like number one on pick watch and, I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And it, and, but I had never bet a game before. I literally had never bet a game before. Um, there's a, there's a funny story in my family where my, my uncle, um, uh, my uncle called me right before that Seahawks Packers game in 2014. And he goes, and it was the first and last time he ever called me on the phone. And he just asked me what I thought of Packers first half against Seattle. (laughs) Everybody remembers that game where they melted down and I could still remember where I was because I was like, wait, you're calling me, Steve? Like, I was like, like, yeah, uh, I got Packers plus three first half or something like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds good. I think the Packers will keep it close. I was like, I wouldn't bet it full game though. <laughs> and 
then I like kind of nailed it. Right. It was like probably the last bet he ever made on his beloved Packers. Um, but then, yeah, like Ben Brown, who works for us now, he, he's been betting for a long time. He sort of got me lined up with a few accounts. I, I still believe, I think the first bet I ever made was on the Seahawks against the Falcons in the 2016 playoffs that year, the Falcons were a complete house. Um, and, and ever since that's kind of been where I, where I've gone. I mean, it, it's revved up quite a bit. Obviously unit sizes have changed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, that, so it, I'm relatively, I mean, all things told, I'm really relatively new to it. Um, and obviously over time, you know, you, you win money, you lose money after a while, I think you and I both agreed that like it was time to get really smart about this and stop losing as much or more, more than we were winning. Uh, yes, I agree. It's funny that you mentioned fantasy. Okay. So I'll try, I think I have like three kind of ways that I got into it. The first was fantasy. So I vividly remember the first fantasy league I played in. Um, I was 12, no, I was 11 and a half. Um, I really wanted to start working at this sports card company um, or it was like a shop and you had to be 12 years old, like to legally work or something like that. So like, I couldn't get like a job there, but they invited me into, they had an open spot in their fantasy league, which uh, I believe the buy-in was $200 at the time. And it was like all of the people that worked there and the, um, like, you know, people would come and spend a bunch of money. And, um, I was like, absolutely. So I went into it. And the funniest thing was that it was a two quarterback league and I did all my research as if it was a one quarterback league, they didn't tell me. So I showed up and I had everything. I was so prepared. I was so over-prepared, but I didn't realize it was a two quarterback league. So I drafted as if it, it, it was a one quarterback league. But the interesting thing was that I ended up with an absolutely dominant team. I had Ladanian Tomlinson, I had Jamal Lewis, I had Plexico, I had Heinz Ward. Um, and my quarterbacks, because I needed a quarterback, I took Mark Bolger. And he replaced Kurt Warner very early on. But there's a horror story here. LT, LaDainian Thompson, my favorite player in the NFL, hurt himself, hurt his shoulder. And I want to say it was week 10. I was in first place by a mile. These guys were so pissed. And one of the guys at, at the office convinced me that LT's shoulder injury was serious. And that if I wanted to win the league, I should probably trade him. Unreal. And... I traded him for Willie Green and Corin Robinson. LT played that week, had 195 rushing yards, two touchdowns, like 50 receiving yards. It was a, it was a joke. I ended up losing my dignity and the league. The guy I traded him to won. My mom, I didn't tell my parents because I was so embarrassed. I wouldn't come out of my room. And she had to call the office because she like knew I hung out with these guys. Like, what's wrong with George? He won't come out of his room. And the owner was like, yeah, he made a really bad trade in fantasy football. And like it cost him the league. And like, so that was my introduction to putting a decent amount of money on something. I started playing poker online when I was in high school and really enjoyed doing that. And would stay up way too late playing poker online and then realized you couldn't get any money back from like poker stars. Um, And then in college, uh, I had a buddy who, uh, his name's John, um, listens to podcasts uh, occasionally. Um, And uh, he had, I guess it was a bookie back in New York. (laughs) And we would, we both loved football a decent amount more than like anyone else in our friend group. And so we would, every Saturday, like 
at the beginning of, you know, wherever we were going. So it'd be like, you know, a couple of beers or a couple of shots in or whatever. It was like, okay, we got to figure out what we're betting this week. And we'd have these conversations that were like, well, the Chargers beat the uh, Chiefs who lost to, you know, this team who beat this team. I and see so, no problems with that yeah, way. Yeah. So like based on that, like this team should obviously cover. And um, so we did that. And the funny thing was that the first year we did it kind of similar to you, we actually crushed. Don't don't know how. And the second year was a lot tougher. We ended up like breaking even that year, but I was like hooked. And the part that hooked me, Eric, which is funny, is that we would sit there on Sundays and like the things that I remember are not the games we won, but like the excruciating losses yeah. where it was like you nailed the game and like so-and-so throws a pick six. I can't remember what game it was. I just had dinner with him on, on Saturday in LA um, and we were talking about like all the shitty beats that we had and how much fun that was. But that was my introduction to it. And, you know, because it was so hard to bet, it became something that, you know, I didn't really get to do consistently until, you know, you and I kind of came together and, you know, said, hey, let's let's take this a little more seriously. Um, so that's my story. So what is your single? So I know and maybe maybe this can be a segment idea for us. And we go through because I'll say like somebody asked me this um, I can't remember which podcast it was. And, and it was fun because like I rehashed the exact same story with Drew Dinsick when we were hanging out at the Super Bowl. It's, it's always so fun to hear people's betting or originations. Um, my, my favorite win in gambling is very easily writing in Peter King's column that Jameis Winston would lead the league in passing yards, mm. betting it, and then winning it in 2019. That, that's easily my favorite one. What is your favorite and obviously favorite least one? favorite gambling outcome that you've ever had my favorite one is at the beginning of this season telling everyone the best bet was tom brady 16 to 1 and the fact that he was the most valuable oh wait yeah um <laughs> uh that should have been um what is my favorite one? Oh man this is a good one you know i don't know if it was a specific win but it was something that i profited on pretty decent amount, which was saying that the Steelers were overrated when they were 10 and 0. And like, I mean, they, you know, yeah. betting against them from that point on, even through, you know, this season um, was, was, was profitable, but really that like stretch where, you know, they went from undefeated to just complete um, crap. That that's probably the best one. The worst one is easy, Eric. The worst one is every single time we've ever mentioned the Falcons. <laughs> what is the worst Falcons one? I remember the pick six Deion Jones had against no, no, that one I bet Jameis. So even like when I fade the Falcons, it it kills me. <laughs> um, I had Patriots minus four in the Super Bowl against them when they came back from 28-3. So like I actually felt fortunate there. Maybe that was that was, you know, uh one I, I Man, do they they all just like kind of come together i will say a most recent one um was i took a bunch of different like i took a bunch of different like bets on the georgia alabama national championship game just mm. recently and that pick six at the end kind of killed like literally all of them yeah that's um that's not a great one um who who what other one like i mean We've had some really good runs here. Uh, I know 2000. So, you know, we all did, we debuted Green Line in 2018. I think everybody knows that 
that that didn't go well the first year. I think every single year we've gotten better. I think we've also, you know, our, our models this year were all up quite a bit. I think the Super Bowl props, I mean, I, I turned over, I think I, I think I misspoke the other day. I turned over 9.7% on the Super Bowl. So that oh, was yeah. good. But even something as silly as like T Higgins not going over his stuff after he had four for a hundred, you know, and not going over receptions prop uh, that was that bit. But like, yeah, I think the, the, the worst beats sort of like just kind of get, get like dissipated away uh, over time. You just, you, you just take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree. It was interesting. The year that we did it, um, that we started betting together was one that I will never forget because we didn't have a product on PFF, but um, you and I were, you know, collaborating in the middle of the night. Yes. Um, and that was a particularly fun time. So for people that don't know this, like before you and I moved to Cincinnati, we um, worked remotely. And everything that we did was just because we like wanted to do it that way. And so we would have these long conversations about, okay, you know, here's what I'm seeing in, you know, the model, here's what I'm trying, you know, like, what if we did this? And like, you know, the way that we, um, I think this will be interesting for people to hear, but like the way that we collaborated is you did spend a lot of time on feature engineering. I think that was because you understand the game of football, like, better than I do. And I spent a lot of time on like the machine learning architecture of it. And we kind of like cobbled our, um, you know, ideas together and like, you know, would, would try and solve problems together. But that was a particularly fun time in the betting history of things. Cause you learn a lot that first time that you try to put a model together. Right. Um, and it really makes you question your, uh, assumptions, um, about what you believe. Do you remember true? the one time we went against the model? for a lock of the week that year we our lock of the week was 14 six and one um notable losses were baltimore time was it was it an under we like went again no it wasn't so notable losses were baltimore getting waxed by jacksonville in london yep i still remember Um, that the clayus campbell game the clayus campbell game um that was the one that sticks out but i do remember we had one and, and the other lock of the week, the one there was the Minneapolis Miracle. We had yes. we had Saints plus five, and we're everybody is celebrating that game. And the Vikings are like deciding, you know, this is before the game just ends on the touchdown, which is the rule now. They had to come out with a bunch of different ragtag groups, kneel down the extra point, push the spread, mm-hmm. and we got the one there. But the one was Jacksonville, Seattle. We took some Seattle in Jacksonville against uh, a Jaguars team that made the playoffs that year, made the AFC title game. And I want to say that it was just slightly lower than the edge we needed to make it a bettable pick. But we like Seattle so much that we still took them and they did not win. And I believe there was like a fight after the game or something like Michael Bennett was fighting fans or something stupid. So that was, that, that was like, you know, it all sort of mushes together, but like that was one thing I remember from that year. Um, getting on to a couple of other comments from people. I heard this one a few times. And I think it's a really good point because we've talked about it internally a bunch, but kind of um, the idea of exposing more about what we do at PFF and, um, you know, the reasons behind why we say some of the things we say. I think that's a really good call out. There are a couple of people that mentioned it here. Um but you know, just just exposing more around um, the metrics that we're talking about, how they're built, how we at PFF 
you know, grade players even. Um, and it's a really good call out. And I think for anyone out there that is, um, you know, is doing something that there's a passion, but also a business, like to me, that's super valuable is the ability to talk about the work that you're doing and make people go, oh, wow, that's actually not a bunch of bullshit. Like, you know, people are working really hard on this. And so that's a great takeaway. Um, we will certainly do more of that. I think we can plan some segments um, around that. Um, but here's one that I think we could do right now. Um, GM for a day segment would be would be fun. And uh, this comes from our guy, Vinny Cal. Vinny Cal wants us to play GM for a day. So I was thinking what we could do is we could play GM for a team. Um, we could pick the team and just see how it goes. I have, and I think this will be interesting on the on the heels of the Rams winning um, winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think so. I think that that's something, you know, because you know both of us have been sort of like I, I mean I, I was more of a loud critic than anybody, but like you know critics of what the Rams did, and you know obviously you know, I think that there's a lot of people who are still sort of reeling and who are still trying to sort of explain away, you know, how you look, it was noisy and all this stuff. And like, you know, at some point you just have to realize that, that flags fly forever and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're no matter what, um, you know, they're, they're going to be Super Bowl champions forever, whether we like it or not. And, and learn from, from, from what they've, you know, accomplished. And, that's kind of like the big thing for me is just trying to learn uh, what they've accomplished, learn from what they've accomplished. Uh, before we get into uh, this next section, though, I want to remind you guys that you can get 25% off. You thought that it was Super 25. That's the only way you could get it. No. With this podcast, because you're a loyal listener, you can get 25% off with the promo code forecast, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T. And you're like, what should I do that for? It's the off season. Teams win championships this time of year and you don't want to miss a second of that nfl draft guide continually gets updated up into uh until the draft all the great article content that is normally locked you can get your hands on find out what your team needs to do to win a super bowl next year free agency uh rankings are live team fits are live and if you buy a year-long subscription now you'll get all of the great fantasy content fantasy tools rankings and betting tools for all of next season. So now is the right time to go make that happen at pff.com with promo code forecast for 25% off. Speaking of off, you probably want to get some things off of yourself in time for the warm weather to come along. And the best place to help with that, as Eric well knows, is Manscaped. Manscaped.com, promo code PFF gives you 20% off plus free shipping. Get the Lawnmower 4.0 as a part of their performance package 4.0, as we've talked about many times. Lawnmower 4.0 is the only tool that uh, that we allow. It's, it's the safest one. It's the best one on the market. You should go get it. I use it um, and have used it for a while, and it continues to sustain. You know, sometimes you get those products. It's like it works good the first time, and then it's like you can use it in the shower, and then the next time you try and use it, it's dead. Not the case. This has continued to work. So go to manscaped.com. Get yourself uh, all the tools you need to look fresh in the summer months that are fast approaching. Um, disclaimer, this will not make you look like you have a six-pack. But if you have a six-pack, it can help your six-pack look better. So go to manscaped.com. Use promo code PFF. Get 20% off plus free shipping with that promo code. Also, are you planning to bet on anything? It doesn't have to be football. But if it's anything, the best place to do that 
is at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook uh, with the promo code PFF. It's still telling me you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. I don't know if that's the case, but you should try it out. See how it works um, and uh, get all of the uh, free bets that you possibly can at DraftKings.com. If you're at a place that cannot um, accept bets, like legal sports betting does not exist there, it's okay because DraftKings has plenty of opportunities for you to do daily fantasy uh, for huge cash prizes in the sport of your choice. Uh, Go to DraftKings, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code PFF when you sign up. My earpiece is coming out, but now it's back in so I can read nice. the rest of the read. Um, there I am. Uh, promo code is PFF. Get 56-1 odds at DraftKings, official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers, the ones who are eligible. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wage required. One per customer restrictions applies to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. For details, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And last but not least, our friends at Western and Southern. They are making your financial future easier and more reliable and understandable. People talk about how they want gambling and want football to be understandable. Western and Southern makes it understandable for you to get your finances in the right spot. So now's the right time. Go to westernsouthern.com and find out all you need, whether you're playing for retirement, whether you're going to have a baby, whether you're buying a house. They will help you put yourself in a position to succeed this season and beyond. Westernandsouthern.com. And now back to the podcast. Real quick on the Rams, actually, maybe this is even a better topic, but there's everyone wants to know, like, okay, who's going to copy the Rams and what the Rams did? And someone brought this up. And at first, I was like, this is a stupid point. But they were like, look, if Odo Beckham Jr. gets injured, you know, a week before or two weeks before, whatever, you know, are the Rams in the same place? You know, it's, it's kind of fluky. And I was like, well, you know, that's just stupid to hypothesize about, but it did illuminate for me what I think is the key thing that people should try and copy, which is the fact that injuries did not bite the Rams in the way that they do a lot of teams. Now I know they lost Robert Woods, but from a, you know, nagging injuries to many different players on the team, you know, Whitworth got injured. Noteboom came in and played amazing. Basically pitched a clean slate, um, a perfect game against um, the Bucks. But like they never, they didn't have cluster injuries across the offensive line. All their stars, you know, stayed really pretty healthy. Um, and if you're copying, if you're going out and you're like the GM of any team, you're like, okay, I'm going to copy one thing about the Rams. It I probably wouldn't copy the I'll trade everything, you know, and a quarterback first, you know, first round pick for another quarterback who, you know, I believe to have some intangibles that we didn't have before. And Matthew Stafford, obviously that bet paid off perfectly well, but is it reproducible? I would argue no. Like, I think that should make people feel even more special about the Rams because I don't think that that process is as copyable as people think. However, the process by which they help their players stay healthy, to me, is the more repeatable of those processes, and that's what I would try and copy. Yeah, and and there's there's some there was some article about that. I, I put that in our leadership chat the other day. That it was it was a great article. Um, where you know we I looked at yeah I I you know where they look at the monitor steps and stuff, and it was actually I was on a panel today um, talking about something, and they were like 
you know, is it hard to find available data? And I said, like, well, it, it isn't hard to find available data on the field, right? We, you know, we just had folks um, who, you know, uh, just done, got done competing in the uh, big data bowl, for example, right? And, um, and, and you know, those guys, you know, the, the, it's, it ha it's not particularly hard, um, you know, to find available on-field data, PFF data, for example, on-field mm -hmm. data. To me, it's the off the field stuff that that I think, you know, where where we we might end up finding the Rosetta Stone someday, because um, because to me, I think that that's really where you know it's hard to find, um, you know, it's really hard to find like you know information on the players' health, information on the players, you know, how they're operating from a health perspective, so on and so forth. That's really where the the, the data that the teams have gives them an edge over maybe somebody who's betting on these teams from the outside. Yeah. I was even thinking about, you know, from a team perspective with all the information that we have today, you know, things like monitoring, you know, nutrition of players, that's something that I think there's probably still an edge on, honestly, even though a lot of the science about it is probably known, but actually tracking it in a meaningful way and applying then the reaction to what you learn or the preventative action is probably something that's more possible today. Um, and the types of training, I think this is really interesting and I could talk about this for a while, but like the types of training that players are doing in the off season is really interesting to me. Um, you know, what, what should that look like? Um, what types of, of training should they be doing? Um, you know, I think we've probably come a long way there, but tracking that across players when they're, you know, going all over the world in the off season is, is definitely something. So I agree with you. I, I think that the, the team that I'm most interested, well, not most interested, but one of the teams that I'm very interested in this coming year are the Eagles because the Eagles have a bunch of first round picks. And so you think about their setup, right? They could be set up to do kind of what the what the Rams did, right? They could say, okay, we have picks, we have ammunition. We also have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who someone is going to want to, you know, want to have on their team. Could we go out and make a play for a quarterback? And you look at what quarterbacks are out there and you go, you know, could they could they go after a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, right? Who theoretically is, you know, in that same Matt Stafford class where you think, okay, this is the guy that can get me over the top. And I'm a little torn on that because I really like Jalen Hurts. They have a ton of draft capital. Capital, <laughs> Did that again. Um, I would like to see them go out and build around Jalen Hurts. But they're in a division that, look, the Cowboys are good, but are the Cowboys great? The Cowboys aren't great. If you were able to go out and get a, a stud quarterback, you know, could you make a run? You're in the NFC. The NFC sucks. And so that was one of the teams I thought about. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if they could make if they could make that type of a move. Um, we talked about the Bucs uh, on Sunday, but I think they're similarly in that position where, you know, it is is really trying to build the long game, the best move right now with how weak that conference is and the quarterbacks that are available. If you bring Russell Wilson into Tampa Bay, I mean, they're what the third favorite, maybe, maybe even higher than that. 
Yeah, it, it's it's really remarkable, right? It's it's um the thing with the Eagles that I get a little nervous about when people, you know, propose them is when you look at like their PFF war, you know, they, they last season, they were very good, you know, war per dollar spent on the offense. Jalen Hurts was the most efficient quarterback in the NFL in terms of war per dollar spent at the position for him. The question that I have is the rest of the roster is good with the Rams. Do they have kind of, you know, one of the things, and again, I'm I'm in no way trying to minimize what the Rams have done, um, but you know, do they have a player to absolutely wreck, um, you know, the rest of the league, right? Like, because to me, I think that that's really where I get concerned with um, other teams trying to emulate the Rams. Is like the Rams just have so much in the way of the Rams just have so much in the way of like star power that when the league was weak their stars could beat up on the weak links of other teams. And I, when I look at the Eagles, like Devonte Smith, so Devonte Smith's pretty good um, for sure. Uh, you know, Rager is not a player that's panned out for them. Offensive line's good, but Brandon Brooks is, you know, retiring and Lane Johnson's getting a little older and Jason Kelsey's getting a little older. Um, you know, Zach Ertz has already left. Goddard's fine there, but on the defensive side of the ball, like they have Slay who played it, who had a good year, mm-hmm. but cornerbacks a pretty streaky position. I don't think he's in the class of Jalen Ramsey. I just wonder if, if they have the horses to pull off sort of the thing that, but they, but they, yeah. And, and cap space has been a big issue for them. I mean, honestly, um, Roseman's trade of Carson Wentz has really dug them out of a hole that would have been pretty catastrophic. Uh, I think for most teams. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's a really good point. Um, is there a team, I guess, then maybe other than the ones that I mentioned that you would go, okay, look, if you're going to try to do what the Rams did, this would be the team to do it? Or is that just something that isn't, you know, repeatable enough and you are, you know, going on a fool's errand to try and do that and you should not, you know, you should avoid it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Tampa Bay is very, very obviously one. Um, I know that they have a lot of, um, you know, they don't necessarily have the most cap space, but they don't have negative cap space right now, um, which is a good thing. You know, they just extended Vea. They, they're still on the rookie deal for Werfs. Um, You know, they need to figure out what to do with Godwin, but they have a lot of receivers in the stable in case he leaves. Um, you know, the secondary is pretty good. The linebacker group is pretty good. Um, they just extended Shaq Barrett and Shaq Barrett has a pretty reasonable cap hit. Um, so like, I think they're, they're clearly one. Um, here's one that I will propose that I think, and this is a team I'm, I was down on sort of all last off season, but I do think there are some stars on the team that they can lean into is I think the Washington commanders, the, they're always the football team to me. They have been forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but the, but the commanders, McLaurin, um, Gibson, offensive lines okay. Defense has some wreckers like like Chase Young. Um, Kendall Fuller's like I think quietly one of the best cornerbacks in all of football. Um, and they have a, a coach who's kind of Bruce Arians like, you know, in the in the you know commands a locker room wants to win type of coach. Uh, I commander. think that's one that people. It, it's the same division, and I think like. We made, we all, like, I think the market made it, and I, I did too. I bet, I bet Philly under, um, and I, you know, I, I did not take into consideration enough 
how simple their schedule is going to be. And to their credit, they beat all the crappy teams on their, on their schedule, including the Falcons and opening day. And like all the, the commanders to me are like the Eagles of last year and the Eagles of last year, like the commanders, you know, like the Eagles are kind of that team where I think yeah. we're going to look back and be like, the schedule's not going to be so easy. And uh, people who are, are betting them over are going to be maybe a little bit, uh, you know, uh, disappointed. I, I can already hear can already hear the hatred coming your way it's gonna happen um and i'm here for it uh let's see here there's a few minutes left i thought there were some other interesting things that came out of uh the comments here do an nba futures pod at the start of the playoffs i would love to do something at the start of the nba playoffs because the nba playoffs are actually fun um to watch and bet that would be interesting to do um along the lines of other sports Things like golf, you know, major golf tournaments are a lot of fun. Um, I think we know some people who have, you know, been betting those that we could um, reach out to and have on as guests. It would be a lot of fun. I just have to say this. Are you aware of the trade that happened in the NBA? James Harden? Yeah. Saw Harden for Simmons. So Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant have to be the like three – that has to be the least likable trio that has ever existed in sports. And as the sports historian, I've got to ask you, like, that has to be the case, right? Like, that is, it's it's so bad. It's so, so bad. I can't imagine anyone even like, I mean, there's probably a few real Nets fans out there, but man, that's bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not great. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it does not, it's not good. And, and sort of being that villain team, um, you know, like when you were, when we were watching the Warriors, right. When it was Durant, uh, Curry and, uh, you know, Clay and, 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 uh, to a lesser extent, um, Draymond Green and stuff like they weren't likable, but they weren't like actively just, you know, unlikable. Right. I think they, that, they only had like one player cause it was, you know, Katie coming over there that was like, oh yeah, this is kind of cheap. But everyone respected, you know, the fact that that like Curry and Clay were, you know, players that they liked. And I think everyone at that point liked Durant. They just didn't like the way, you know, that was kind of the turning of the, you know, oh, now he's coming over and kind of, you know, trying to 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 pair up with a team that'll get him a championship. So I think that's where it started. But I agree with you in that it wasn't the case that all three of those players were like in that same zone, right? Where it's like, yeah. I can't believe that they all ended up on the same team. Um, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Um, do you have any recommendations for this week? That'd be a cool way to close out. Yeah, I do. I actually, um, it's a book by Colin Quinn, um, who is a very good uh, comedian, stand-up comedian. Um, he he's like the I think a mentor for some of our favorite stand-up comedians, like uh, Greg Giraldo, Anthony Jessling. He wrote a book called Overstated. A coast to coast roast of the 50 states. Uh, and as somebody who's been to, you know, two thirds of the states in the union, I still found it to be kind of hilarious. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's one. Um, but, you know, as the football season comes to a close, I think we'll have more. But that was one that I that was a book that I actually got to read during the season, which is, a you know, not not as frequent of, of an event as I usually get. Yeah, clearly you got to like work you harder or something. Um Oh, I got, I got a, I got a book in. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. It's unacceptable. Um, I have I have a recommendation, and this is again going to uh, going to be a recommendation. I'm sure people will not particularly like, but um, it is not is not a recipe. Um, maybe I'll start start cooking some more here soon. But I was in LA. It was really warm. I didn't have enough shorts. So I needed to go buy some shorts, and um, I went to like three different places looking for for shorts, and I ended up at Lululemon. Shockingly. Um, and so these shorts aren't particularly cheap, but, um, it, they're like the lounge shorts. They kind of look like they're, um, almost like a sweatpant material and I'm blanking on the name. You can certainly find them just with those, um, those pieces of information. I am a huge, uh, snob when it comes to comfy shorts because they need to feel great. And, uh, these do, I've been wearing them, um, uh, consistently now, um, they wash really easily and uh are, are awesome so i recommend the lululemon um they look like sweatpants shorts they're definitely not they don't feel like sweatpants but that's my recommendation and you can go yell at me for recommending expensive shorts I'm it's sorry. like a 70 dollar pair of shorts yeah i don't remember uh, it was it was one of those things where was, i really needed shorts and this was i was in venice california and if you've ever been on like abikini in venice you can you know that like finding normal shorts there is not something that you should try and do. I even walked in, I walked into an Adidas store and like the only thing they had there were things that like looked like they belonged in a fashion show. It's like these like giant, like uh, fluffy, um, you know, like looked like capris. I was like, I just want some shorts. And they're like, yeah, you should probably go somewhere else. Like, okay. So that's where I ended up. That's my recommendation. They are a quality product. You're welcome. I'll find something cheaper next time. I promise. That was our pod. We'll be back on Sunday. No longer the late Sunday night podcast, but we'll be back on Sunday. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thanks for all the recommendations and all the comments. We appreciate you. Peace. In the dark, you shine.